0: Our, um, we're starting in this new series the second week. Is anyone familiar with DARPA? DARPA is a, a defense um, agency that creates all sorts of stuff, they um, have created things like duct tape. That's something practical. And so they get, they get sort of like commissioned out by the U.S. government to do certain things in order for armed forces and the protection of the country. And then certain things spill over from the technological advancements. And one of the things that has spilled over to all of us is something that happens in our phones right now. So if you've got a, a smartphone, you can, you can hold it up, right? You've got your phone. At this exact moment, you were being tracked Right, they, um, If they wanted to know whoever they is, the man upstairs, right? like a big brother. They want to know where you are. It is easy to find if you have a phone. They know exactly where you are. There are 24 satellites orbiting our planet currently. And these satellites continue to beam down and connect into our phones. It's a thing called GPS. Right? Sort of gathered in there in this global positioning system. And if there's at least four of them, four satellite connections, it can pinpoint where you are, and then as you punch in the different directions, it can help you get to the places that you want to get, right? Amazing. GPS. And scary, but amazing. It's a helpful tool for locating where we are and finding our destination, To find our place. How how crucial it could be if there was such a tool that could speak more to the souls of our lives. Not just to knowing that we're at 309 North Main Street. And that we want to drive downtown in Detroit and get a burger at, you know, whatever new restaurant is down there. What if there was a tool that continued to let us know our place and our destination? Like GPS. And today we're looking at the scriptures there are. We're going to talk about how we can find our place and how we can locate our calling. But the truth of the matter that I want to proclaim is that we actually we do have a place. And you have a calling and you have a destiny. And that in GPS, especially as a military tool, If our United States military is working to be able to identify and to target a certain group of people or a certain enemy to track, it's kind of easy to do with our technology. But if they're smaller and more abrupt, they need to use jammers in order to jam the signal so that they cannot be tracked. And the reality is, is that yes, we do have a calling, we have a place, but there's all these jammers. And we talked about the enemy and this accuser who doesn't really want us to know our place, our calling, or our destiny. And it continues to jam us up in order to settle for so much less. And so today we're talking in this series that we were made for more. We're going to be talking about understanding this sort of spot, this place that God has placed us, the calling God has for us in a destiny, and the one that is released in Jesus Christ. That's what we want to talk about. Last week we started in Ephesians 1. And we say that Jesus is more. Everything has been placed under his feet. He has all authority over everything in the world. And his role is to fill everything, everywhere, and in every way. And only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can fill everything in the world with his presence, his power, and his goodness. But yet, Jesus speaks this over us. He says, Oh, but, and you are the body of Jesus, his fullness. That's what we talked about last night. We were made for more. We were made in order to spill over into every nook and cranny of society. We were meant to be the fullness of Jesus in this world in every way and in every place. But today we want to talk about in the chapter two where Jesus picks this up and begins to speak into us about our destiny. So this is Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. It says this: God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you've done. So none of us can boast about it. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do good things he planned for us long ago. So the first part of this text begins with this. It all starts with grace. It was God's grace that called us into his family. In Ephesians 1, it talks about being adopted and inherited all the spiritual blessings of Jesus and that this was God's plan. He solved us. He pursued us. This is all by God's favor and mercy upon us. None of us earned it. None of us worked for it. None of us deserved it. But yet God's grace sought us out, balled us, redeemed us, and loved us. It's by his grace It's by His grace that you have believed, that you have trusted. And none of us can take credit. It's a gift. It's not a reward for what we've done, for being good or doing good things. It's God's gift to those who trust in Him. And if we're going to boast, we only boast about Jesus. It starts with grace. We are saved by grace. But yet what this text tells us is that uh, we're just not saved from something. We're actually saved for something. We're not, this grace just wasn't given to us so that we could have a new destination way in the future, which might be heaven. But no, we were saved for a purpose. And the text goes on to say, and you are God's masterpiece. Now, this is his work, but then it goes on to even more detail. He has created us anew in Jesus Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here, here's another version, starting at verse 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So here's the thing. You were saved by grace, not by works, so that no one can boast, but yet you're God's masterpiece. And he's created you for good works. And so some people get really messed up with that, and they get really confused. It's like, oh, it's not about doing works, but it's like, no, you got this destiny. It was not by works, not by good things, that you have been saved by God's grace, but you're his masterpiece, and you've been designed and created and shaped to do good works that Jesus has planned for you beforehand so that you could walk in them. We are saved to play a part in the grand restoration of God's kingdom on earth, which he has authority over everything. So i call this calling. You've been called in something greater. And calling can be defined as this, a strong inner impulse toward a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence. This calling. Now our calling starts with this. It's a masterpiece. Now again, all of us when God says you're a masterpiece, he's speaking to the collective people of God, you as plural. Look around. We are a masterpiece of God. Being shaped but not only collectively but individually. We are one of a wonderful kind. Each of us bears of God's image, priceless in worth, filled with mysterious and unique mix of gifts and passions. Within an amazing story, which is your story, exclusively yours. You're not an accident. You were made on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. You are a masterpiece worthy of research and reflection. Can you turn to the closest person to them and look them in the eye and say, You are a masterpiece. Stare him deeply in the eye. <laughs> right? Masterpieces. Now, that, that is hard to accept. When we know our flaws, we, we know the accusations, we know our weaknesses. But this text is saying, in Christ Jesus, you are his workmanship. You are being shaped. You're being molded and formed. It's a beautiful reminder. And it's the jammer, I think, of an accuser who wants us not to believe this. Now, we're masterpieces as we were uniquely created and being recreated in Jesus Christ. And You're worthy of research and reflection. Here's an interesting text in Psalm 139, verse 14. In this psalm, it says, I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I am wonderfully made. Now, um, this text can be matched with Proverbs. I have this up here too. This is Proverbs 30, 18 and 19. A parts of them. It says this. There are three things that are too amazing for me. And here's the three that the writer Proverbs says. The way, in, the way of an eagle on the sky. The way of a snake on a rock. And the way of a ship on the high seas. And these things are too amazing. Now, in Hebrew, the term too amazing is the same word for wonderful, right? That, those are the same words here. So when we say that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, there's a sense that the way that we are made is it's too amazing. The way we are shaped within our mother's wombs. This is too amazing. I mean, the term is almost incomprehensible, right? This is too amazing for me. The proverb goes on to say these things that are too, that are incomprehensible, that, that deserve to be reflected upon and researched and looked into, that are just wonderful things. The way a snake slithers on the ground, the way that it can just sort of move. And scientists continue to be sort of continue to experience and, and to measure how do snakes actually slither and they move. The other thing that he says is, too, talks about, um, I an eagle. But in our time, you know, the jumbo jet that is made, it weighs 850,000 pounds, right? And yet, this machine can get off the ground and fly at 30,000 feet. It's, it's incomprehensible how that works. Now, the engineers, you, you might understand how it works, but it's incomprehensible, it talks about how a ship sails on the open seas. In our day, there's the USS George H. Bush aircraft carrier. It's 90,000 tons, 20 stories tall, and it floats. Right? Is that, is that, is that stuff that's just incomprehensible of how that actually happens? Of how this 90,000 ton that can float? And yet the scriptures say, "No, the part that is incomprehensible is how we are framed and shaped and made. It's incomprehensible." So turn to the person next to you and say, "You're incomprehensible." <laughs> I'd say, "No, thank you." Or how about this? You can turn and you can look him in the eye again. This is meant to be awkward. You're too amazing. Is that better? And so, this is what God is saying. This is what God says about His creation. He says that about us incomprehensible, too amazing. And what makes us incomprehensible is that we are created in our God-given potential. Right? This potential, even angels stare down upon it and said, boy, what are these, God? This is, this is such a unique creation of yours. You've marked them in your image, putting divine worth upon them, but also given them this potential to mirror your likeness in this world. And that potential can be realized only when we make ourselves available to the incomprehensible one so that he can recreate us in his image, in himself, and in a way recreate you out into the world to be a blessing to others. So this is this. It's about us coming to this spot and realizing that we must make ourselves available to the uncom- uncomprehensible one, which is God, so that He can recreate us in His image. Do you? I, I think there's so often we need to continue to come to this place and say, "I'm available. I'm available." to be shaped, to be molded, to be formed. The reality is that you are, right? You're you're being shaped, you're being formed, and God has a plan of wanting to recreate you, wanting to shape you in his likeness. We can fight against it, and we can believe other things, but I think there's just something so powerful of saying, God, I'm, I'm available. I might fight you. I might fight against what you're wanting to do, but I'm available, I'm available for you to reshape me for your divine purposes in this world and in me. I was, I was at the gym and I was talking to a friend and he, he, you know, he knows I'm a pastor and he'll ask me things like, how's the pastor thing going? <laughs> and I don't know how to answer that. I'm the worst, you guys probably even ask me that. And I'm the worst person to ask that. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm confused. I'm incomprehensible, <laughs> right? I don't know. But uh, we begin talking about God, right? So the, my best thing to do is, you know, if he's going to ask me that question, I'm going to ask him ones and make him uncomfortable, right? And then we begin to talk, and we begin to talk about destiny, about us knowing that God ha- has longed for us and that we're being shaped and reshaped over his masterpieces, and that we're being moved to step into good works that he's planned for us long ago, for our destiny that he has created us for, destiny. And he was like, ah, uh, is there always a higher purpose? I mean, can't I just be married and have a kid and work a good job? And I, you can, right? You can do that. And that's not bad. That's not bad at all. I would wish for all of us to be good husbands and wives, brothers, sisters, children, friends, Right? I wish for all of us to be good to, that if we do have children, right, to, to, be, to be good to our spouse, to our kids, to our parents, to honor them and to love them, to work at our jobs and to do a good job there and to love our coworkers. Could that be enough? Absolutely. That's so good. But what we're talking about is being available to God and what he has created you for. See, the nation of Israel were promised by God this promised land, right? Um, and God told Abraham, Look at it from this border to this border to this border to this border, it's yours. It was 300,000 square miles. That's how much it was. And then when this, this people, God said, But you gotta trust me. I'm gonna send you to the land, I'm gonna give it to you, but you have to take steps. I'm going to invite you, people who are not warriors, I'm going to invite you to, you've got to step into the land. You've got to step before the people. And, you know, you're, you're going to have to enter in this, and trust me, and I'll give it to you. 300,000 square miles. Do you know how much they actually took possession of? And all the time, when Joshua led them into the land, 30,000 square miles. That was it. 10% of what was promised and and you gotta ask yourself a question, that's that's interesting, 10%. 10% of what God had said, this is yours, trust me. But yet they only took possession of 10% of it. And maybe for my friend, maybe for you, it's like, I don't know. Is that okay with you? If if God had longed for something, and, and I wanna say maybe the 10%. What if the 10% is like saying, oh yeah, I want to, I wanna be a I wanna be a good friend. And, I want to be a good son. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good parent. I don't want to work in a job. But well, that's just the 10%. Well, God is wanting to do something very very specific. It doesn't mean it has to be grand and grandiose like you're starting a nonprofit or, or that it could be whatever. Jesus really usually moves people to the low places among the poor. But are you okay with just the 10%? I think moses would say, "Well, no." Well, how come? Because we long to see the world transformed and look around. If, if the church is working at 10% and we look at the troubles in the world and the pain of the world and the destruction and the suffering and the poverty, is it okay for the church to be functioning maybe at 10%? Are you satisfied if God was saying, hey, I, I actually want to do more. You'll actually, Jesus said, you'll actually do more than I did. Could we have settled for so much less than what God was saying, I'm going to breathe into you as a people and release you? We don't want to settle for this 10%. If God is saying that I've prepared good works for you, I'm recreating you, trust me, walk with me in this. Then we want to discover those things and step into them, right? Some are going to be exciting and others will be scary. But we want to step into them. The things that have been planned for, for you. The things that have been planned for the way that God has shaped you and is reworking in you. The things that mark your destiny. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Do you want to step in those? The good things that he's planned for you long ago. I believe that this is part of the promise. On our sheet, on your little sheet, your little one-pager where there's some, some, some um, things you can fill in, if Jesus is more, then we were made to be more. Made to be more. This is not by works, this is by his grace, but you are his masterpiece, being recreated in Christ Jesus for the good works that he's planned from you long ago. The core commitment of a local church has to be to help disciples investigate, right? To investigate their masterpiece. Their personal calling of a one-of-a-kind masterpiece mission for more. Every disciple is a unique, hand-crafted by God vessel for expressing the fullness of Jesus in every corner of culture and to every sphere of society. And so our part of this is to say, Are you not, you're so incomprehensible. Are you not worth reflecting upon and discovering? And so part of our Our understanding, our part of what we want to be as humans is to do this. We want to discover and deploy. We want to discover how God has wired us and gifted us and step into the things that he's inviting us into, the opportunities that are right there in front of us. We want to say yes to them and engage them. So how do we find our place? So how do we find our calling? What is the GPS, right, that helps us know where we are that God has destined for us? So let me just throw out a couple of just suggestions for this. This It's going to be totally cheesy, but you're going to remember it with the GPS. Could it not be part of our gifts, our passions, and our story that help us determine where God has placed us in this place? This mixture of these things that are funneled down in order to find this sweet spot of life. So there's a picture of a sweet spot. You even got it on your, on your handout if you grabbed one when you came in. Right? This, this, this sweet spot of this Venn diagram. And one of those is determining of, you know, the gifts that you have, right? So these questions that we're asking about design, these design questions, says, Who am I created to be? The next question is, what am I created to do? This is a purpose question. And the final one is, where am I called to go? This is a position question. These are the things that we're trying to do. And can you can we throw up that Venn diagram again, that sweet spot sort of uh, illustration? And so in that one we have, we talk about the GPS, the knowledge and the skills, that be, and that's our gifts, Right? This is the part, and some of those are spiritual gifts that God puts upon us, that he breathes upon us, that he gives the church gifts to use for his good. The other ones are just innate gifts and talents that you have as a human being that, that were framed and formed in you, that when you were born and it, when in, your, in the environment that you were placed into, the other ones are just skills that somehow you have learned to do. Right? These are things, that knowledge that you have, for whatever reason, and other of us have knowledge of, you know, how to smoke ribs, right? You know, and and, and other of us know how to, I don't know what other examples I have of knowledge, right? We, we know how to birth children, right? We're talking, and you, and you know how to... Um, Pull in people to discuss the, the the deep things of their lives, and you know how to take people's resources and help them invest them. Right? You know how to care for humanity. You know how to teach kids Spanish. Right? You know how to teach kids in Oak Park. We have these skills to know how to, to invent learning in them. These are skills that we have, and so that could be one of the things. And then they're almost our passions. It's the causes. It's the people. It's the things that fire us up. I got a number of these. Right for me, it's a transracial adoption. Right because my son is black. Right, I'm incredibly, but I'm also fired about adoption, and I'm fired about race issues in our country. These are things that, these are my, my passions. I'm fired up about fathers and being, being a father and, and helping dads. Those are the causes. I'm fired up about my neighborhood. I love neighborhood. I love neighboring. I want to know my neighbors. I want them to be in my house. I want to be in their house. Right? I want, these are the things that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about Jewish stuff. I like Jewish people. Right? You know, so. Right? But all has these unique things of passions. These are people and causes and things that are in there. And we begin to put together. And then the final part is your story. These are the experiences and the opportunities that you have that shape you uniquely. Our stories are the good parts, the bad parts, and the ugly parts. And they all shape us. Right? They mark us. And God is using those things. He's using them. I mean, I, I was talking to some friends about this thing with, that I'm wanting to help and coach fathers, right? And, a, and the reason I'm doing that, why am I passionate about wanting to coach fathers? Well, one of them is because my story is that I didn't have a dad speaking into my life. I can't remember a significant conversation from my dad ever, right? Where there was a moment in the peaks, in the pits, or in the transitions where there was a word that came from, from my birth father, Right? And so that's a part of my story. It's a part of my ache. It's a part of my longing. Right? And for those of you who've had that, that, that's a part of it. And it it speaks into us. And it's beginning to shape my future in the way that I want to parent my son. And so you had those too. Yesterday, we were um, with some friends. I was doing a 5K, and we saw some other friends here from Genesis. And it was called the mom race. And it was about mental health, right? It was for suicide prevention and awareness. Um, And the people who were there, if they were there, it's because either they worked with people um, or they knew someone who had killed themselves, a loved one, a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad, a neighbor, a friend, a friend of a friend. And they were gathering there to do this run, but they were all shaped by that story, And that story began to pull into a passion in order to bring awareness and conversation. It became a cause for some. This was a mom in Royal Oak who started this because her mom committed suicide 14 years ago. And that story marked her, right? And she's pulling people together in order to have conversations and to tell stories. And sadly enough, there's more and more sad stories. And God willing, there's others who are stepping into those stories in order to bring life. Myself and Jim, Tony, and and, and Mike, we were there because a buddy of ours' daughter started hearing voices. She's a teenage daughter, started hearing voices to kill herself. And he told us, he told us breaking down. This is a guy we work out with at the gym. And so when when one of the guys heard that this race was going on in order to help with suicide prevention and mental illness, he told him, said, hey, we're going to run in honor of your daughter. This guy felt loved, right? Seen, heard. And he was like, I'm going to come and do it with you. Now, this was something I believe that God was shaping for us to walk in, right? As he's continuing to shape us, in order to do so. So I, I, I was the skinny guy there, you know, right? So I like to run, you know, and, and Jim was there. He was a sprinter. And so he likes to run, but, but you know, and I can never beat him ever. But, but, and then, but Tony was the other guy there, and Tony's a tank. He doesn't like to run. He hates to run, right? Genetically, he's not wired to run. When you think about gifts, he is not gifted to run. But why was he there? He was there because of a story and a passion. That's why he was there. And he saw those things interconnecting, and so he was joining in in what God was doing. And, and And that's what we're doing. Could we not take time in order to discover our gifts, our passions, and our story? I think about Carol Curley, Carol and Harvey, right? And Carol shouted out for us last week the foaling at Friendship House in Hamtramck. Carol was the director of Friendship House for 20 years, right, Harvey? Right, she was serving the people of Hamtramck, and she has, she has a gift for working hard and administration and organizing. She has a passion for the hurting and the under-resourced, right? And, and she was called into this, and her own story reflects that. Her and Harvey's, both their story, were families that grew up poor, And so they're fired up to be able to step in into this foaling fundraiser that happened on Friday night to be able to care. These are beautiful things. There's people here with their gifts and their passions and their story blend up in order for them to step into their neighborhoods. And so just yesterday, Omika oh, and, and Ashley Brown, they were running in that race. I saw Matt and Hannah, and, and they're both therapists in this area and us, right? Where our stories are colliding together in order to move. Now we don't discover the, this calling or our place and our destiny in just one moment. This is something that's discovered throughout our whole lifetime. It's something that's gonna take time to continue to, to develop out that we can step into. This is something you figure out when you're you're 30 or even 40. It's continuing to be laid out before you. But it's worth the reflection. And so I want to encourage you. Know your gifts and your talents and abilities. Begin to discover them. Embrace your passions and causes. And the purposes. And own your story own it. The good, the bad, and the ugly of it. Go through your life and timeline it. Here, here's one thing you can do. I did this about two years ago. Take um, two different colors of sticky notes, post-it notes, whichever colors, and, and on one pack, do, list all the shaping things, anything that shaped you that was positive conversation, a school teacher, your home, your parents, a job opportunity, anything that shaped you for good that was a positive shaping thing in your life. And then pick another color and these are all the negative things, but they shaped you. They begin to form all of those things, the positive and the negative shape us. And they begin to paint out this story. List them all. Take an hour and just list them and think about it and then plot them on a piece of paper. It will be unreal, the perspective that it gives you about God's activity in your life. And for me, it was the number of people who stepped into my life to be a blessing to me, who loved me, who were Jesus' hands. I wasn't aware of how many people had invested, loved, and given to me. And I also wasn't aware of God's hand continually helping and prompting know your story. A way that you can know your gifts. Here's three resources for this if you're interested in doing it. Um, one is called Strength Finders, and it lists your top five strengths. If you've ever done it, it's a way to find out some of your strengths, right, that you've been wired with. Um, spiritual gifts. This one's called Five Fold. When we get to Ephesians 4, we're going to be talking about this three weeks from now. Um, the Enneagram is, is one where it just kind of lays out I'm a way of viewing the world and operating the world. It's a self-discovery tool. And in there, you can just read the types and pick one that you think sounds like you. And to begin to discover some of your strengths in the way of viewing the world. but It's a way of knowing your story. Begin to talk about these with others. Take the time to discover. And then begin to experiment and step into it. This is what we're going to be inviting people into. This is a lifelong journey of discovery and disappointment. There'll be excitement and exhaustion, experiments and failures, breakthroughs and impacts. But you must decide to set off on the adventure, you must make yourself available. You must receive this reality of God saying, you are my masterpiece. You were created anew in Christ Jesus for the good things that he planned for you long ago. Can you say yes to that? Can you begin to believe that? Can you allow the jammers not to intercept this truth for you and step in? My encouragement is that in your small group to begin to discuss this. Use some of the tools. But next fall, we think this is calling is such a big deal. Next fall, we're going to set a whole time just to talk about our gifts, our passions, and our story. And we're going to set up space for us to come together with people and talk about those things and to step into what God is inviting us into. We think it's crucial for being released as the people that God's called us to be. So would you stand as we pray? And I want to send you. And so I I want I want this to be a sending prayer. Because even though our destiny moments are continuing to be unfolded, there's parts of them that we can step into today. We can begin to experiment with where God has placed us uniquely where we go and where we're going to shop at and where we're going to eat at and the neighborhood we're in and the work that will go to tomorrow. That we want to be available. We want to be available to God for what He wants to do, however He wants to shape us and the experiences that we're in right now for Him to continue to shape us through the pain we're going through right now, the circumstances that we're in right now, the jobs we're in now, the home we're in now, to do His work. And so... I want us to say, God, we're available, and then I want to release us with a prayer. Sound good? So, with a posture, something more physical, let's, if, uh, if you want to have that prayer, prayer of availability, I think the open hands is a great available thing, right? I don't know what, so if you want, to, you want to have a posture of availability, would you just put your hands out and I'm just going to pray this for us? And you can say it too, you can say, God, I'm available. We're available, and the reality is, you may be really busy. <laughs> and so, when you're saying you're available, they're saying, "Hey, there's room for God to do something different than the huge list that you may have had." So, God, we say, "We're available. We're available. Get our attention. Shake us out of our ruts and our routines." that allow us to settle for just 10%, 5%, 20, who knows what the percentage is. But that that we settle for less. This is as good as it gets. Instead of what you are destining us for, we are available. Come Holy Spirit. Recreate us. Fill us. Shape us. Remind us, animate us. And we say, Spirit, move us to walk in the places and the ways that you've invited us to. You've destined for us. I send you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, church. Amen. Go in the blessing of the Lord.